Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. On the Strength Talking Shop Podcast, we talk all things fitness, strength and conditioning, nutrition, and strength. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery, and Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Optimum Nutrition's Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice, and with Optimum Nutrition Athletics program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers and cake bites and almonds, and man, they are awesome. They are so good. And after dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If you are interested in getting this into your facility for your athletes, please reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. His information is down in the show notes. Quick email that you can send out to Dave to see what products they have. They've got awesome products. Of course, those protein snacks are absolutely amazing. I recently just had the chocolate and peanut butter almonds. Oh my goodness, are they delicious? Uh, a great treat, great protein, good way to add it in for the day. So we'll go ahead and get diving into our episode here. Is David Quick of Jones College. Uh, this is an awesome episode. Again, I thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Give it that five stars on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Share it, follow us on social media, subscribe to us on YouTube. And thank you to our sponsor, Optimum Nutrition Athletics and Dave Harvey. Again, reach out to the show notes, guys. It's down there. Make sure you guys reach out to him. He's got awesome stuff. They've got great products. And thank you again for being our sponsor. And thank you for our guests this week. Thank you for our past and future guests. And everybody, stay strong. What's up, guys? Strength Talking Shop podcast. Super excited to have the man, David Quick, here on. Uh, he is the head strength and conditioning coach at Jones College. What's going on, man? What's up, Matt? Just living it, baby, in my palace. We good. <laughs> if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you can literally see his beautiful palace behind it. He gave me a small little tour. There's like, oh, oh and now he's moving it around. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, he's got his name on the rack. We got reverse hypers. I see an SS yoke bar. I see some flags. That's awesome, man. It's beautiful. Look at how beautiful that is. This is a man of strength. <laughs> this is the, hey, this is the only room that I have. And it's still infiltrated by kids stuff. But look, my goal is to get all everything out and just the palace. Let's go. That is, that is the palace. How awesome is it having a home gym? It's the greatest thing ever. I, I saw the writing on the wall last year, um, you know, before the pandemic. And so I was like, look, I, um, I'm good friends with the gym owners in town. I knew since school was closing, I was like, well, surely gyms are going to be closed. And so I started scouring Facebook marketplace. And this was before you could buy weights for $2.50 a pound, $4 a pound. So I, I mean, I got so lucky. Like right now, I think if I were to just put, put all this up for sale, I could probably make six times what I made or what I paid for it. But it's, Dude, I love it. I wouldn't replace it for anything. It's the best thing ever. When we bought our house in August, that was the first thing I did was make sure I had everything lined up and it was just enough space to where I could have the home gym perfectly. Like 
I hate to say that that was like the number one thing on why we bought our house was I wanted to make sure it had the room for the home gym. Oh, that's why you're a smart guy. I mean, that's that's it. Smart man. And that's the thing, like you said, like I kind of saw the writing on the wall too. So I just started stockpiling stuff because I knew we were getting ready to move and I, I wouldn't have the space for it at the time, but like, Hey, I can start stacking up all this and it's crazy how much you can sell some of this stuff for now. I mean, even now it is crazy. Yeah. Cause even like now, I mean, even for one, if you can get lucky enough to buy just, you know, iron plates, you know, yeah. um, I, I got mine. Uh, there was this welder down on the coast and he was, he put it on marketplace and I just messaged him. I'm like, dude, how many, how much weight do you have? And he's like, Oh, I got like 10 45s and, and whatever, like 35, 25. He didn't have any tens. I was like, okay, fine. So I was like, I was like, uh, how much do you want for it? Cause it said like best offer. It was like, let's say like $1. Right. Right. I was like, I was like, I'll get, I'll, like, I'll come down today and I'll give you 500 bucks. He's like, okay. Whoa. <laughs> that's huge. Wrap your brain around. So I have like yeah. a thousand pounds of weight for like five. I got it for like 50 cents a pound. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. I was just like, I'll be down there. I'm leaving right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do the same thing was when I found like 350 pounds worth of weight in the marketplace where a guy was selling it for less than a dollar. And I was like, I will be there whenever you can. And like, I, as soon as I got up in the morning, I drove to his house, gave him the money and picked it up. He's like, I probably had 30 people message me, but you were the one that would not stop messaging me. So that's how it is, man. Consistency. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get out there. Well, hey, we've talked enough about, you know, you yeah, and I yeah. journey on that. Let's go ahead and dive in, man. Like give a little bit of a background for the listeners. I love your background. It's so unique, man. I think it's really awesome. So, uh, I mean, I was a thrift three sport athlete in high school, football, basketball, track. I go to St. Cloud State University in central Minnesota, uh, football, and then I ran track too. So I, I played football for two years. I broke my ankle. Um, and then I just finished out with track, like had to get a whole new ankle basically. So uh, it's just, I mean, it's bothered me right now as we, as we speak. So, but it was, it was pretty gruesome. It was the last practice before, um, uh, game prep of my sophomore year and so so I was like you know what uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run man uh, I was a 400 meter guy uh, and then post St. Cloud State I competed as well I was a GA at Southern Miss um, down here in in Hattiesburg and <laughs> just beating up on all the kids no I'm just playing but no it was it was great it was it was the first time in five years of running college I ran in two meets that were over 70 degrees. And so, so as a, as an anaerobic guy, right? Like that's not very conducive. So I came down here and I was like, I was like instantly like a second and a half faster in the 400. Like it was unbelievable, even in the hundred. And so um, I finished there. I went up to the university of Memphis. I was the sprints, jumps, multis coach. And I was the strength conditioning coach for the track team. Um, and then I rolled through there for seven years and then I met my wife up in Memphis and then she's from South Mississippi in Hattiesburg. So it's like, man, let's like, I love it down there. She wanted to get back close to home. And so this someone overheard the head coach at Jones at some event saying they, they needed a new strength coach and they brought my name up. 
next day I meet with the head coach and <laughs> here I am. So it was just, it was just God's way. It was, it was awesome. Boy, that is an awesome story of fate, man. Like truly is fate. Like being yeah. in the right place at the right time, knowing the right yeah. people. Yeah. And he, like, cause he was, uh, the head coach was up recruiting, um, up in Northern Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, Hey, I'll meet you, you know, just down the road. I was like, all right, sweet. And so we sit down and have a meal and he's like, all right. He's like, well, I'm going to run it by the AD president and we'll get it going. So a month later we start. <laughs> it was wild. I moved, we, we bought a house We moved in July 1st and then we started practice like the next week. So it was just like literally hitting the ground and just, just running. Oh my gosh. But that, Here's the thing, though, that I think people need to understand that are listening is that for that to happen, you would have had to make the right steps at the current position you were at when you were at Memphis, right? So you have to, where you're at, make it the best where it's at. And then the next opportunity, I mean, I'm sure you probably weren't even, I mean, you talked about it, but purposely looking for a new position or anything like that. It just so happened to kind of fall into your lap a little bit. A hundred percent, it fell into my lap. So I, I knew I wanted to be solely strength and conditioning. The recruiting for track and field is brutal because normally in football, you have um, like a territory, an area, but you know, my area uh, for recruiting track is planet earth. And so I'm, and so, you know, I'm, I'm making phone calls to Finland and uh, uh, Hungary or New Zealand or Australia or South Africa you know, at two, three, four in the morning. And it's just like, it's brutal. I mean, it's tough. And I was like, look, all I want to do, if I could make a perfect job description, I want to get people fast. I want to get people strong. I want to listen to loud music and I want to play outside. And I got it. And so, I mean, if that's like, that's, that's my job. And it's just, dude, how can you pass that up? No, like, no. it's incredible. No. So, no. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think being strength conditioning coach, uh, I, you know, besides doing all, there's a lot more that goes into that, obviously um, just personnel wise and interpersonal things. But when you're working, you ain't working because it's, it, you're just playing, man. It's like, let's go. If you got to, if you got that, that train rolling, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you just nailed it on the head. When the train is rolling, man, there's not a better field in the world than when you're in there and, and everything's going right and everything like that. Can you talk a little bit about what you've taken from your time at Memphis where you did have to balance them both now into your new role? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I took from from Memphis was, you know, my job was to get people fast to get people to jump high, jump far. Um, you know, I, I worked with the multis in, in the hurdles and things like that. And th- the thing that people, and I think other strength coaches that are out there listening, especially if they, they've never maybe dealt with a track and field, but track and field and strength conditions are usually on separate ends of the, of the line because they're doing track that usually does their own thing. And then all the other sports use the strength staff. And I guess we were really no exception at Memphis because we're like, you know, we, we thought that we knew our athletes, where they were at, where they were going, 
what they had done the day before, what they're doing tomorrow, that sort of thing. So it's like, well, we're just going to take it into our own hands. And I think just, um, I think balancing that. So seeing the athletes at practice, knowing what they did, what's going to be the best, you know, how does that line up with our weight room progressions and vice versa? Because from, from a, a, an event, it'd be like your receivers coach coaching the weight room, right? right. Like, like that's what it is. And so it's like, okay, my job is out here. I know what I did out here on the track today. So now I know how to push or where I really need to go in the weight room. You know, do I need to back off? Do I need to take something out or, you know, within the parameters of what we're doing? So I think just kind of learning how to balance the weight room and the practice to get the best out of the athlete. I think that's what I really took, took away because a lot of times the strength coaches, they're, they're not at the practices, which I think is a shame. Um, or they don't, they don't really know what that athlete has done at practice. You know, they may be at practice, but it's like, are they, are they really there? So imagine that you're coaching that practice and then you go into the weight room or vice versa. You're going into the weight room and then you're going out to the track or the basketball court or whatever. So I think that's what I brought back um, to, to Jones and, you know, at the Juco, the Juco level is, it's just, especially here in Mississippi. I mean, obviously everyone knows last chance you, but um, it's not, it's not that far off, you know, statewide. I mean, we have, we have the best, we have the best talent in, in America that's, that hasn't been discovered yet. I mean, it's just how it is. It's crazy. I heard, a, I think it was a stat the other day, like 20% of NFL players or junior college players. So that's like one in five NFL players. Like, I don't think people understand the talent level that is at junior college levels. And especially like you just said, Dowin, it's your level in Mississippi. Like we're not talking about Joe Schmo's small college. Like these are top tier athletes for whatever reason they're there. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a unique story. Like he kind of talked to me about what it's like being at a Juco and cause you're getting these kids from high school. You have them for maybe a year and a half, maybe two year years. And yeah. And then they're going on to a four year. Like, so how are you, having them come in as an introductory phase and then we'll kind of go from there. Okay. So this is the schedule for the junior college is the same. So like you said, they're, they're in, in July mm-hmm. and then they leave the following year in December. So I have a very, very small window. I have one spring really to develop. So as soon as they come in July, we we're starting practice. So that those are our two a days, right? Where we're lifting, and it's it's practice so we roll all through july we get a week break at the end of july going into august and then it's two you know a week or two weeks before a game and then we're in season so then we roll through and you know usually for us we're in the playoffs um or going deep into the playoffs and then all of a sudden we're done we're done for like nine ten weeks and i can't see those guys yeah wow Yep. And th- I'm, ta- I'm talking football specifically. And so, so then we come back and th- the springtime, it's like, this is why this job is so much fun. So we have 12, pre- 12 spring practices, but that's, I don't prep these kids for, for spring whatsoever because the four-year schools in a normal year, a non-COVID or coming off of COVID, whatever, mm-hmm. 
in a normal year, we'll have our combine test and then start spring ball. So we'll send out our results from a regular combine and then the coaches will come in and be like, okay, wow, I love this kid's numbers. Now I got to see him play. And so then they'll roll through offers, whatever. And then the, again, as soon as school's done, we roll back, get about nine, 10 weeks off, and then we hit them in July. And then it's, it's the same repeat from the last time. So it's, it's crazy because like you talk about kids from Mississippi, our, my, my head coach says it perfectly. It's the most over-recruited, under-evaluated state in America. Because there are, like, I wouldn't even say diamonds in the rough. There are just diamonds that are just sitting just in plain view. People just aren't looking at it. And so the, Ju the Mississippi JUCO system is fantastic because these kids get exposure um, where they normally, you know, because there a lot of times these kids just can't, they can't get into a four-year school. I mean, that's just, that's just the bottom line. Um, or they just, we have kids and a, a lot of other schools have kids that turn down division one offers to come to a junior college. So they're essentially betting on themselves. And Is it to have more playing time and stuff like that. So, uh, yes, it, it could be, but a lot of times it's not, let's say, um, let's say I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of those kids. Well, I got like three offers from very low tier division one school. And I'm like, Whoa, dude, I'm like, I'm like power five. I feel like I'm a power five kid. So I'm going to bet on myself, go to junior college and wait for that, wait, wait for that power five offer. Um, but now in terms of strength and conditioning, okay. So I'm in Mississippi. I'm not knocking Mississippi. I love this place. Okay. But this, in terms of the strength and conditioning world, a lot of these schools hardly have a facility at all. Also, they have nobody that really teaches them how to lift. So uh, I get a lot of kids that have never really even been in the weight room, truly. So <clears throat> it's awesome because they, they don't have a lot of bad habits to break. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it means to train, number one. And they really don't even know what it means to work out, too. And so I get to come in with just an empty canvas, and from day one, I think, I think my first day when everyone reports is the most important day because that is, that is what every single day is built off of. And so what they see day one, you know, that's, that's the floor, that's the basement. And we build from there. So depending on how it, how I bring it and what my expectations are, like the, the basement can be here. It can be, it can be here. And I want to try to raise that, that floor as much as I can and just lay down, this is how we do things. And so um, for me, it's, it's really easy because I have, uh, let's see, last year and the year before, both years, I had over 82%. I think it was like 83 and a half or something percent of the team, um, or eight, yeah, 83 or 84%, something like that, made strength gains through the last week of the season. And so it's, and it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn and saying, oh, my program is the best. Like, look, these kids have never put a barbell on their back. You know, they're just progressing in a, in a, in a smart fashion and they're eating and they're gaining weight. This is for a lot of these kids, this is the first time in their life 
where they've had three meals, three guaranteed meals in a day. And so it can get put on is, is crazy. So you, you couple that with, with sound, solid strength and conditioning, like these kids are going to blow up. But yeah, most of the school records that we have, um, you know, aside from when we test in the spring, um, a lot of them are usually set in mid season or towards the end, because I believe I don't have that much time. I can't, I don't believe that, that you should go maintenance mode during season. Heck no. I, we live, you know, we do, we lift heavy. We get strong. <laughs> don't do a lot. We don't, you know, we're in, we're out of there in 40, 45 minutes on the, on the long end, but we lift heavy. Like, but we do, we don't get hurt either. It's weird. Yeah. It, it is, it's strange. I, I love that. I love that you talk about that, man. I think that's, but I love to hear. So that just shows that your program is working though. If you're having that many strength gains throughout the season. Right. And you talked about all those little factors, but if the program wasn't working, they wouldn't be getting stronger. They would be getting weaker. Like you will see with most places. So, yeah. And, and here's the thing. So my first year I come in and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I don't know these guys. I, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I'm just going to do linear periodization, you know, just, and just see where it goes. And yeah. Did the guys get stronger? Absolutely. You know, I adjusted when needed. I pushed when I felt like we could, we could push and things were fantastic. And I, at the end of the year, I, I didn't like it. I was like, I just didn't like it. I didn't want to force a kid to do I didn't want to force a kid to do 80% that day. That 80% was like 95% or the 80% was like 60%. And so I was like, I just don't like it. So that spring I switched to conjugate because the, the weight room math for, for some is very difficult. And so they don't, they don't know the weight, but they know how to put forth a maximal effort. And that was set forth on day one. I was like, you know what? These guys, these guys know how to push. And these guys know what it means to move things dynamically, move things with speed. I was like, I'm going to roll conjugate. The, the team absolutely loved it. Didn't care what was on the bar. Didn't know what was on the bar. Had no idea. They're like, coach, is that good? I was like, yeah, that's, that's good. Like, that's, that's, that's great. And it, no, I'm, not, I'm not one to chase numbers because – I build the, the technique part, you know, that for a lot of, for a lot of these kids, like I said, they don't, they don't have any bad habits. So, and, and being a track and field guy, especially a jumps guy, a sprints guy, you know, that, that coaching eye in terms of technical and movement patterns and things like that. I'm that's, that's where I'm really, really dead set on. Okay. I want the movement to be worth way more than what's on the bar. Couldn't care less what's on the bar. And so um, the, when I started doing conjugate, it went great. The kids really responded to it. We had some unbelievable numbers when we tested at the end of the year, not just lifting wise, but, but 40 broad jump, um, five, 10, five vertical. And it was funny because now that coming into that next year with the new freshman class, I didn't think that program didn't work for him. It, it, I didn't think it would work for him just based off what I saw through general prep and the first, and basically in July, I was like, they don't get it. So I started going to a five, three, one with, with the freshman group. And so, so the thing is, it's like, you have guys that are like, okay, you're going to hire me on this guy. I run this. Program. 
So for me, I have so much turnover. I can't do that because every, every group is going to be different. It's like, I don't, you know, I'm using, uh, I'm using my own, my own thought process is like, okay, I think this tool is going to work. I think that, I think that tool is going to work for this group. So that's kind of how I go about, you know, I, I kind of do a very general, general prep phase, just how do these kids move? What, what do they respond to in terms of cues? What do they understand? How fearless are they? That's the thing with these kids, man. They aren't scared of anything. Yeah. Nothing. Because they want to get out. Because what where they were at, like they don't want to go back to it. And so they'll sometimes for me, I gotta be like, okay, if I say max effort on this, okay, they're really gonna do a max effort. <laughs> you know? And they don't they don't know, they don't care, and they and they're not scared. So um, sometimes it can work to their disadvantage too. So that's where I got to be really careful. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it kind of comes into where, you know, you kind of know when to pull the reins back on a few things. That's where you talked about earlier, like having a good coaching eye on like, Hey, when that movement pattern's not there, like when techniques breaking down, pull it back a little bit, but then too, you kind of really made a good point here. And the fact of like, it's a puzzle that you're probably never, ever going to solve, but you're always going to be working with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a puzzle and, and I have the pieces and then every 18 months it changes. Exactly. And so it's the same puzzle, but it's like, wait, now the pieces morphed. And so now I got to put it back together. It's the same picture, but now the puzzle pieces are different. And so, yeah, it's, it's bizarre because um you know you, you know i work with bat, men's and women's basketball and softball so i have them for two full years because just how you know they're winter spring sports so um so yeah I, I get i feel like i get a little bit longer with them well i do get a little bit longer with them but their seasons are so long so but again it, my, my my ideology behind lifting heavy in season it, it doesn't change because my goal as a junior college strength coach is for when they get to their four-year school day one the verbiage might be different but they know how to perform they know the intent behind every movement that's asked of them on day one they're a leader in that weight room day one because they know how to train and so they're gonna i want them to be a force multiplier i want them to be the new guy that brings other people up and so that's, that's my goal. So when I get calls from kids that have gone to a school saying, Hey coach, uh, thank you. Like for what? Like, what do you, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, these boys don't know how to train. And I'm like, I love it. I was like, be that shining light. I like, that's, you know, that's, that's why you do this job is to, is to get other kids excited about it. It's you. And especially when they move on and be like, man, I, I was doing something. And now I have a better, you know, now there's, there's more coaches, you know, probably better coaches, better facilities and better food and, and feeding opportunities. So it's just like these kids just blow up with just, uh, you just need that. You need that baseline of, of what's acceptable and what's not, what's hard work and what isn't. And so if they, if that can be elevated, man, when they get to that next place, it's on they're ready to go they just got to get that football part down <laughs> yeah what well, makes me think of the quote of you know what is tolerated is accepted so if you tolerate mediocrity in the weight room that's what you're going to get but that's if you right. have 
you have them, like you said, at the base level of like, this is how we train. Boom. It's either get in or get out kind of thing. And it's not like a scary, scary off kind of thing. But this, if we want to get to where you want to be, this is what you're going to have to do. Yeah. And it's funny because this spring, so the, the kids that I have um, that were freshmen last year, I really had, a, I really had a hard time figuring out what to do. Okay. So they came in in July and they had just missed their senior year. So they really haven't competed since their junior year. And so whether, so they may have, so I, when I came in in July and I was thinking about what I'm doing, I was like, okay, I have to basically think about this. Like these kids haven't trained in a year and a half, maybe more yeah. like, and so, so we go through the season, things go great. We, we got eight games in this year, um, which was, which was awesome. And so when I, so I never got a chance to really, because football is a priority in July. Yes, we're lifting. Yes, we're getting stronger. Okay. But with the, with the freshman group, you know, I, I let them, I allowed them to really get a feel for it longer than I normally would. So when we came back in January, I was like, we are the day one, we are learning how to train day one. Here's the whole workout. Three sets of five on squad. That was it. I said, these 15 reps are going to be perfect and they are going to be heavy. And if they're not, if they're not perfect, they're too heavy. So make sure that we're grinding and we should be exhausted after three sets of five. And so we went four, we go four days a week in the spring, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And I slowly built, I added exercises. So, so week four, we made it to three exercises and it was amazing at how much we got out of it. It was, it was incredible. I'm like, dude, what have I been doing this whole time? Like I'm doing three exercises with, a, with a, the main movement, you know, to start, whether it's an Olympic movement or de a deadlift or a deadlift variation or a bench press or a squat or a squat variation. And like, it was, it was incredible. I was like, dang, like maybe I'm, I feel like every coach is like, man, I'm doing too much. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I think I'm doing too little, but no, it, it laid a great groundwork. And it was, it was awesome because then <clears throat> when we started to peak, getting ready for our, our combine, I went back to that and it was amazing the difference, how the intensity and the focus and the attack was on the back end compared to the front end with relatively the same idea or even the same workout, how it transformed looking back at their numbers being like, whoa, this is what you were doing here. And now look, this is your peak phase and you're hitting this for nothing. And it's like, it was pretty awesome to see. And I, I've, I, I, I treated it like getting prepped for like a conference championship in track or a regional championship. You know, our speed days that, that we were doing is it's like, okay, we're, we're going to do two, two by 30 yards. We're getting ready for the 40. And that was all that we did. It took about 10 minutes in between. Do you think that the reason why they had so much success with that because I've heard this from other coaches that have kind of had a similar experience that you talked about was they only had to focus and they had to put intent into maybe that one exercise, like you said, the three by five, and then you added in a little bit. So over the course of the four weeks, like they, 
they know, okay, I've just got squats right now. I don't need to worry about anything else. I've just got squats right now. Do you think that focus and intent behind that was maybe a little bit of why that was so successful? So, uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I think they could put all their eggs in one basket instead of, yeah. okay, I'm, I got to go hard here, um, but then I got to go hard here, so I'm going to budget myself on the front end. <clears throat> well, if for me, what, what I always do is I always – I, when I go through the workout, when I explain the workout to everybody, every single lift that I, that I tell them, I, I tell them the why and the intent. Okay. We're going to, we're going to do, we're going to do squat. And it is, this one is going to be, you know, let's say it's percentage based. Okay. Let's say we're doing the five, three, one and it's, and it's percentage based. <clears throat> okay. So the three sets of five, we're on like an early cycle. So it's not, it's not too terribly difficult. Okay. So on that last set, you know, you, you know, I'm, I want to cap it at like eight, eight or nine reps. Okay. But the secondary movement, the let's say we're doing like snatch grip RDL. Okay. I'm going to tell me in 10. Okay. Well, right now we're going to really focus on the speed of it coming up. Okay. So I want you to move it, you know, control it coming down, but I want it to be as fast as possible. So then, so to them that automatically tells them, okay, so it's, it's not going to be crazy heavy because you want speed, you know? Uh, so think, so it gets to the point where it goes without saying, even though I still say it, but they, but they understand what, it, what, what the intent is behind it. And, you know, sometimes if, you know, on Fridays, a lot of times, you know, I'll, be, I'll put in, you know, we'll, we'll do some tricep work. Why? Because it looks good. It feels good. The kids love it. They'll go harder on that than they will on anything else. So as long as you have a why behind it, then let's go. Like, I think the kids respond. I think the athletes really respond to that kind of thing. And <clears throat> instead of them being just robots in the weight room, try to educate them along the way. Because when, when they start asking maybe more thoughtful or in-depth questions as to why you're doing something, then it's like, okay, I'm getting through. I'm getting through. We're learning. We're learning. They're getting inquisitive. Okay, perfect. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's go. And when that leads to now the conversations that you have when they go on to a four-year and they're not the leader of the weight room because they were properly taught and properly educated inside of the weight room, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, um, one of our guys went to a power five school and um, he said that uh, he called me and he was like, I, I, I went through the workout and I asked every coach, uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing this? He's like, you never told me why we're doing it. And he said the coach was thrown back. And so <laughs> the coach explained it to him, but he was like, wait, what are you talking about? So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, look, I want these kids, I want these athletes to, to maximize whatever they can. And, but I also want them to learn and bring things with them <clears throat> because the, the great thing about the weight room is the football field is going to go at some point in time, but, but, but the weight room's not going anywhere. You can, you can, you can lift weights until you can't, you know? Exactly. And so that may be 50 years down the road, uh, if you're lucky, but you know, these are things, and especially if they're taught right and you, you know, you don't have to be, <clears throat> have 10 degrees and all these certifications, um, you know, if just when, when you're a sophomore in, at a junior college, it's like, I want to, I want to give you as many nuggets as I can to bring with you to add more nuggets 
and just keep rolling through through the years, just like you and I have done. You know, exactly. when I when I was 22, man, like seriously, I, I I was here in my intellect, and now I'm down here. You know, 12 years later, I I've, I've realized I've gotten a lot dumber, or uh, not haven't gotten dumber, but I realized I didn't know hardly anything. I'm like, what am I doing? I didn't know that, man. There's so many smart people, and that's what that's what you have to talk to. It's like, wow, you just be a sponge everywhere you go. It's fantastic. What is that saying? Like, never be the smartest guy in the room, kind of thing. Like, that's so true. Yeah, you want to be the dumbest guy, like honestly, yeah. because you know you're gonna you're gonna be the sum of the people around you or the people that you hang around with. And so, if it, you know if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, it's it's probably not gonna be good for you. You'll bring everybody else up, but eventually they'll just be at you. <clears throat> so it's it's awesome being being able to be a phone call away from from somebody that's been that's for, forgotten more than than I know and ask questions and you know there's I think other coaches really like that and they appreciate it because they're they're seeking advice from you know I'm seeking advice from them and it's like you know I respect what they say and so you know for me that's that's huge and I think for any young coach that's listening like don't be afraid to pick up that phone or type that email or send that direct message because it's like, dude, yeah, let's, you know, you get some kid that's like, hey, I saw you did this, or I heard you hear you do this, or so-and-so said this. Well, I want to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, that's what this, I think that's what this business needs more of. Um, but I think for the most part, you, you get your, you get your circle and you just try to keep expanding it. Yeah, uh, that's important, man. Expanding the circle, like you just said, trying to find somebody's gone through the experience that you're looking for. I mean, that's the thing that I think most people need to understand is that they might have gone through what you're experiencing. Like, hey, man, like I've been dealing with this. Oh, yeah, I dealt with that before. This is what I did. And then you have the conversation about it and you learn from them. So um, as far as learning, what have you kind of learned you know, being a director in your time now at Jones? Oh man, that's a, that's a loaded one. Okay. I, what I've learned is I'm, is I, I can't stay complacent because there's, there's, there's always something going on. There's always, um, there's always a wrench thrown in at, at some point in time. And to my knowledge, there aren't too many certified strength coaches in, in America in junior college. So, so our, our head coach, my head coach is runs our school like a division one program. And that goes, that goes across the board. Um, we have academic counselor, you know, to ourselves and uh, a full-time strength coach, which is, which is very rare, but he sees the importance, but it's, since it's just me all the time, I've got to make sure that I'm continually learning and bouncing ideas off because my schedule compared to a division one school is so much different. And so, and even what I'm used to coming from Memphis and Southern Miss, it's like, okay, I gotta, <clears throat> I, I have to microwave something, but I, I, I can't do it. I got to slow cook it. So how do I do that? So, you know, it's just, it's just constantly f- tweaking and figuring things out and best budgeting my, my limited window. How can I budget that window as best I can? Um, but it's, 
it comes so fast and all of a sudden they're gone. They're here and they're gone. And it's like, man, you know, did I miss, did I miss one? Did, did I, you know, cause in the junior college level, we have like 60 guys. Like we basically uh, run our team the, the same way an NFL roster would run personnel wise. Okay. And so, so it's not like I have a hundred football players, you know, I have about a hundred, 110 athletes total, but it's, it's just making sure that, that, that they get me the same me every day and, and making sure that they're continually going. And I, I got to make sure that I'm getting myself better. Like I'm trying to get them better. Right. It's interesting. Like they feed off of your energy. Like what you bring in is, it's kind of what's going to happen inside the weight room. Yeah. I mean, you set the tone from the moment they, they walk in and, and every coach is going to say that, <clears throat> but, and I think for the most part, every coach loves their job too. And so my athletes know that I love what I do and, and I, I, I make sure that I show them that every day. You know, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the hype guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty mellow guy. I, I get excited when appropriate. I feel like, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, they feed off me, but I feed off them too. Right. And so I get just as excited as everybody else when someone's <clears throat> doing something that they hadn't done before. And because I would want someone to do that for me because I'd be the first, I'd be hitting my head on the ceiling. I'd be jumping so high, you know, for, for whatever feat that I accomplished. And so, you know, dealing with kids that have a lot of times never been coached before, you know, or even having someone be there for them or ask how they're doing. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a really special group of individuals. They, the, the backgrounds of these kids is, I mean, we could do a whole nother podcast on, on just the different backgrounds of these kids, but, you know, they may never have had any, anybody care about what they do. <laughs> and, and I, I genuinely care because I want them to succeed. You know, I want them to get out of here. And so um, I think that, that reciprocity of, of mutual respect <clears throat> is, is awesome. And they'll run through a wall for you. And it, these, they have a hard exterior, but once you break through it, it's, it's go time and they'll do anything. And so <clears throat> that's, that's really where I feel like I can, I make the biggest difference, forget the football part, but it's like, showing that there are people out there that legitimately care about you, your family, whatever. And so that, that, to me, that, that, that goes the farthest out of anything because they may not have that all the time. I have found that every kid wants to be coached. No matter how they project it, they all want to be coached. They all want to be asked, Hey, how's your day? Like you, you, you hit a lot of big nuggets there, man, that are just little small hang fruit that every coach can do to be able to build upon that relationship and be genuine about it. Right. And kind of found that like you just be genuine and learn to love up on the kid that good things kind of come. Yeah. And because there's, there's always, trust me, I've dealt with my fair share of turds in a punch bowl and but there's something about that person, whether it's 1% or 99% that, that you can lean into. And whether you like them 1% or you like them 99%, you can lean, you can, I can get my 100% into that 1%, you know, and that 1% it may mean the world to them. So, yeah, it's, um, 
and, and I, I have the luxury of doing that. Uh, so many other strength coaches, they have so many athletes and there's just so many, or there's, there's multiple people on staff that, that might do that. They may get to this pocket of, <clears throat> of players and that one may go to that pocket, but I get all of them. And so, you know, my, my biggest challenge is number one, learning all their names. How fast can I learn all the new names? And <laughs> that's, a, that's and, fun. Yeah. Because, because it happens, you know, every year I get, I get, yep. It's a vicious cycle. And so, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just digging in, man. Uh, and it's amazing what you can get out, how little you have to, how little you have to actually coach once you bust through because I, a lot of times I don't have to coach effort for, for a lot of these, these different groups. Cause they'll just, if I say, Hey, we're going hard on this, they're going to go hard. That's a sign of a well-oiled machine, man. So as, as we kind of wind down here, um, I want to make sure people get your social media and stuff like that, man. Uh, so how can they reach out to you? Yeah. So, I, um, man, so this is how bad I am. I, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't hardly ever know my tag. Let me, as, as you look it up, I will go ahead and tell people that very strong person. If you go to social media, you'll see him pull some heavy deadlifts, some heavy squats. That's for sure. If you go to your social media. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I finally pulled 675. So when I pulled it, it was 500 pounds over body weight. So I'm, I would, I've been working for that for, <clears throat> for almost two years. And so, uh, um, I had, I pulled 660 in 2018 and then this December, I finally pulled 675. So it's been, yeah, it's been a long time coming. So I, I squatted 525, um, at 175 and bench 355. So that's, I'm a washed up athlete. That's all I can do now. So <clears throat> I could, I compete with myself. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, my, my, my Twitter is David underscore Quack. If you want to, if you want to holler at me um, and my Instagram is coach David Quack, Q-U-E-C-K. Uh, and you should be able to find me that way. Well, God, not hesitate to contact him guys. Before we get out of here, David, um, what's the one thing that you're grateful for? Well, number one, I'm grateful to be alive, man. Every, every day, you know, I have, I have three young kids. And I get to see them and have an awesome, beautiful wife. Uh, it's, it's just waking up every day, knowing the, the hurricane that's going to be brought upon me and just standing there waiting for it to hit me in the face. And that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm so grateful and appreciative for. And just, just family, man, family and God, you, you got those two things. There's, there's absolutely nothing that can, you, you can get your boat rocked, man, but that thing's that that joker's never tipping. So it's awesome. I love it, man. Well, Dave, I appreciate you being on the podcast this week, man. This is awesome. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, anytime, man. I really appreciate it. It was, it was fun, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, hey, everybody, make sure you reach out to him. Follow him on social media. Everybody, stay strong. <laughs>